The favorite sport and pastime of America, the mass shooting, is back with a vengeance. And is there any place safe in America for Black Americans? I think I already know the answer to that. And it wouldn't be a Pop Into Politics episode without our pervert politician segment. Just nasty. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode 14, Nowhere is Safe. This is Colby here in New York City. I am back from my mini unplanned hiatus last week. So thank you for listening and sticking with me. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe on your favorite platform and rate me. That would be great. But before we get started, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping, lots of housekeeping because America is not right, still isn't right. America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. Okay, so episode 14. There's been a lot going on in politics and in the news. This episode might be a little a little different. Let me just say this. I enjoy the sort of the theater in politics, the history that's associated and, and related to politics. And I like policy and a, a debate about policy or understanding what's going on in our government. I'm not so much a fan of discussing, like, I don't know, the utter failures of the American political system that then has uh, negative consequences for the citizens of this country. Being that this is a political podcast, it would be hard for me not to discuss what's going on the Derek Chauvin trial, what's going on with Dante Wright. There are obviously political and policy things that could help these matters. But I have to say, as a Black American, it just is exhausting. It is exhausting. And so it's actually not not my favorite thing to discuss or cover, if you will. But being that this is a political podcast and politics are certainly involved or maybe not involved since we're not solving the problem, in some of the things that have been in the news lately, I cannot not discuss it. So we're going to start with the first part of what I said in the teaser. Let's start with the mass shooting. Let's start with the mass shooting. So it seems like we're out of lockdown and back to doing what we do best in America, which seems to be shooting one another. I am not having alcohol today. I'm having a cup of coffee. It is early in the morning as we're doing this podcast. I have to do this when it's... uh relatively quiet in my New York City apartment. So, and it would be too early for me to drink. I'm trying to not create new pandemic problems such as alcoholism. That wouldn't be good. So we'll have to wait until later to have my cocktail. But hopefully someone at home is having a cocktail for me. So what's there to be said about at this point about the problem with guns in this country and the access that people have to guns, the type of weaponry that people have, anyone who who is reasonable and thoughtful knows that America that we have a problem with gun violence. With that being said, we have states. Texas is trying to pass a law. Actually, their house just passed a law in their state legislature to allow people to carry weapons not needing a permit. You do not need a permit. No training, no permit, nothing. As a friend texted me, yes, it would be easier to, to get a gun in Texas than it might be to vote. There are 14 other states along with Texas that have similar rules where I guess just a 
blanket accepting and reading of the Second Amendment that most reasonable people would not subscribe to. I don't know. Not subscribe to, not believe in. You know, the thing that's interesting to me, because of course, this does break down on political lines, the Texas bill that I just referenced, it was all pretty much all Republicans in the House, I think six Democrats joined to pass that bill in the House. One Republican in the Texas House did not vote for the measure. But generally speaking, it is Republican legislatures, Republican politicians that are trying to advance these sorts of bills and continue to ensure that there's no restrictions, no reasonable common sense restrictions of guns in the U.S. Look, if you've read the Second Amendment, it's a perversion of the amendment. Um, but people keep voting for these folks, right? I mean, at this point, I think most people, people know where the parties stand on this, which political party. And there are people in this country who have been so brainwashed or frightened by the idea there's someone in big government going to take your guns. We'll take my guns. That's my Bubba. That's my Bubba Hillbilly voice. They think they're going to be able to stop the federal government when it's a revolution. I don't know. America. There are people who still believe this. Meanwhile, there's been 45 mass shootings in the country since the beginning of the year. So I don't see big change happening. It's hard to have big change when there is a segment of the population that is not demanding that change is not voting for people who would implement that change. There's been some progressive frustration about the president taking, I guess, faster action with some of this, but it's, there's a constitutional amendment there. There were some executive orders that the president did announce related to this, but this is not something that's going to go away or that's going to get better when at least half the country doesn't see it as a problem. So yeah, there's that. It's pretty bad when you can go on our news articles now in the way that we were taught stop, drop, and roll if there is a fire that now we're teaching our children, preparing for these things with the mantra of, I think it's run, hide, fight. I mean, it's just, it is embarrassing. It's sad. But yeah, it doesn't seem as though much is going to change. So, but, 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 I always try to say, what can we do? Who we vote for matters. And who we put into office, who we vote for, all that matters. And it doesn't take a blind man to see which party, which politicians generally are in support for certain things and ones and politicians that are not. So I just leave that there. Now let's get to some of these trials and cases. So the Derek Chauvin trial has been going on. I, I admittedly have intentionally come in and out of that. <laughs> during it and, and kind of reading articles or just getting news clips is not something I've wanted to really immerse myself in, I have to say. Like I said, I am kind of geeky. I'm more likely to read the Mueller report or a portion of a tax bill or a voting law, HR1, than I am to watch stuff like that. And some of that is just for my own sanity, I have to say. But it is interesting what I have seen and, and read. It is interesting to note that it seems like everything else killed George Floyd but Derek Chauvin. It's very interesting. The car, his heart disease, his drug problem, everything but this officer keeping his knee on his neck for, what, about nine minutes. So, look, it is not surprising. I have to say, I try to look for glimmers of hope. And actually, that goes to Dante Wright. So let me just do one thing at a time. It shouldn't take a video like that for someone to be put on trial in a relatively timely matter 
if you think about him be, uh, being an officer when this happened, some of these things can be drawn out for a very, very long time. I, of course, despite what seems obvious to most people, I am not confident that at all that he will be convicted of any of these charges. And I think that's going to be a bad situation for Minneapolis and Brooklyn uh, Center out there in Minnesota. I am hopeful, but I am not. I, I don't know. There's been too many people in this country, specifically officers, in the context of the death, the murder, maiming of Black bodies that get away with this. So I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm not watching. It's like, I just don't want to as I said earlier, it's exhausting. And I just, yeah, I just don't think good things are going to happen there. I hope I'm wrong. I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope to God that I am wrong. So that's that. Dante Wright. I started to start this episode by saying all the things that I didn't do as a black man today to make sure that I stayed safe. So I made sure I wasn't driving a car with an air freshener. I made sure that I wasn't playing in a park like Tamir Rice. I made sure that I was not sleeping in my bed like Breonna Taylor. I made sure I wasn't getting gas like that that gentleman who actually represents and defends our freedom. I made sure I wasn't running. Basically, I just stayed sequestered in my apartment. But as I said, police can break in. And so thinking of Breonna Taylor, that's not a guarantee either. But what I will say, just bringing this back to, you know, being somewhat optimistic or trying to see glimmers of hope, I should say optimism might be too much. Seeing in the Dante Wright case that at least the officer has been you know, charges were brought. The, pro- the prosecutors decided to bring charges as quickly as they did. And I say that, of course, if this were any of us, it would be a no-brainer that charges would be brought. But the fact that that typically does not happen with the police. And so the fact that this didn't take weeks and months or didn't not happen at all, I think shows some momentum, some sign that prosecutors, officials understand that a, people are watching this stuff. B, the whole system does seem a little effed up, and that's putting it mildly. But there are some glimmers of hope there with seeing how quick some of this is taking place. I said that this was going to be a different sort of episode, as I think I'm just kind of talking about how I feel. But one thing in policy that I do think is important that I've talked offline with some of my friends about this, I think that America always cares about money. And Americans care about money. And it doesn't seem like it is fully registered to people that every time you have one of these shootings by law enforcement, these murders by law enforcement of black folk, and you do not prosecute them criminally or they're not convicted, that there are, of course, civil damages, judgments that happen in these cases. And families oftentimes win or have been winning those cases. And who's paying for those things? To my Republican friends who are always, the government, money, money, money. Who pays those millions of dollars in set worth of settlements in all of these cities where there's all this police misconduct? The taxpayers pay for that. It's not the police union funds. It's not these officers. We, the taxpayers, white, black, Democrat, Republican, pay basically for state-sanctioned <laughs> murder when there's misconduct like this. And... There have been some articles that have been done and studies. I mean, the amount of money that the city of Chicago has paid out, the amount of money that the city of New York has paid out. They're thinking about Breonna Taylor and, and the damages that her family rightfully were awarded. These are millions and millions and millions of dollars 
per case per incident. And we're only talking about the cases, of course, that kind of make it into the news. So maybe that's the storyline that if this country doesn't care about black life, doesn't care about black bodies, doesn't care about equal justice under the law, maybe a way to get the attention of everyone to get a consensus is about the almighty dollar, which is a shame, but that that seems to be the driving force. Going back to, of course, at the beginning of the episode, just talking about these ridiculous sort of, let everyone have a gun, everyone can have a gun, states and plans. Some of that, do I think is about ideology? Yes. Do I think some of it's about stupidity? Yes. Is some of that about money? Absolutely. It's America. Anyway, there's some glimmers of hope in Dante Wright case, some, but again, you know, the other thing that just amazes me, I think there are a few things that do need to be kind of fleshed out as like a refresher for all Americans. It's like, number one, the guilty, the guilty, the guilty in our country are not supposed to be murdered out on the street. Okay. So let's just make sure everyone understands at home, when you're talking to your friends, your family, people who might not like understand why this is a thing. People who are presumed to be guilty are not supposed to be killed by officers. That is not what their job is. So there's that. People who do drugs or believe to be doing drugs are not supposed to be killed by the cops. By extension, if you have an air freshener in the back of your car, that is not reason for you to be murdered accidentally, quote, unquote. I don't know why that is such a hard... So let's just so let's just say all of these people were guilty. Little Tamir Rice was guilty. A boy playing in a, in a park. Not even a, a teenager. I mean, yeah. So just assuming that all of these people were guilty, they still shouldn't be dead. Tying back to all of these mass shootings, all of these people who usually are white men and usually have conducted a murder, if I were an officer, I would think that that would be time for me to be afraid. They've, they've shot up a mall, the FedEx, the salon. All of those people were actually murderers, committed known crimes. They always seem to make it in and out of police custody alive. If you think about the gentleman in Charleston, sometimes we stop to make sure that they've had something to eat during nine people. This issue, there are political and policy things that can be done, but at the crux of it, it also gets back to America's original sin, which is racism, discrimination, slavery, all of those things, and the way this country views people of color. There is never any benefit of the doubt. There is not any sense of patience or even just the sense of understanding perhaps Black bodies, Black people, I was going to say Black men, but of course it's not just Black men, of course. You stop them. There is a sense of fear. And I've been stopped by the cops. Had some good experience with some cops. Not so good experiences. There is a sense of fear because it does go through our minds that we might not make it out of that stop alive. So it just needs to be said (laughs) that there is real fear. This thing about, well, were they guilty or did they do something? Like, that's not how this works. Doesn't work this way for white people. Yeah. So, but maybe, as I said, that's the thing that we need to do. We need to, let's start talking about the money. How much money these cities, these municipalities are paying out in taxpayer dollars to allow the police to kill people and to behave badly, poorly. Ooh, okay, let me get, get to something that's a little more, it's not good, but a little more enjoyable to talk about. And that's pervert politicians. Nasty. So I said last episode that I needed to work on a sound for pervert politicians. 
I still do. I have not settled on something for that segment. So if anyone has any suggestions, by all means, please, please let me know. Let's start with Governor Cuomo. Governor Cuomo. I am not going to let Governor Cuomo off the hook because there are people who are dirtier and nastier than him. Sex trafficking, of course, is probably worse than pinching a girl on the ass, I suppose. Yeah, like I guess I, yeah, I guess sex trafficking charges are worse than anything that Andrew Cuomo has been accused of with his nastiness and impropriety. But I want to be bipartisan in my critique of these nasty dog, male, usually straight politicians. So nothing is getting better for Andrew Cuomo. The Times keeps doing more reporting about just the kind of the culture in Albany, which sounds like it could have been the, the culture in, in Hollywood with, you know, Harvey Weinstein. It seems like it could be the culture anywhere. But this idea of like what happens on the other side of Bear Mountain, for those of you not in New York, if you think about Albany and just the geography of that, I guess, stays stays there. He's not going to resign. Shame is an interesting thing or the lack of shame that our politicians seem to have. And I guess, again, in the scheme of things, I'm going to talk about Gates next, but perhaps he feels as though he has nothing to that's actually worthy of resigning for. That, hey, six or seven women, a little kiss here, a little boob grab there, a little TNA over there. I guess he feels like I didn't rape anyone. I didn't sexually assault anyone. Although I don't know if that would be true with the Eastern Law, some of his, some, some of that would be fall under that designation. He has said that he's going to wait for the report by Attorney General Tisha James. So let's hope that the Attorney General here in New York moves quickly, continues to move on this, so that we can get rid of Hansy Andy. Yeah. And you know, and the other thing too, I've, I've said this in previous episodes, it is not just about the women. That seems to have somehow taken center stage. It's like the story and the scandal is that this man and his administration lied and hid data so he could get a couple million dollars in advance to write a book about how he was such a good governor during the COVID-19 crisis, which I think at best he did what a governor was supposed to do. At worst, New York didn't really fare so well since there's like, I don't know, over 30,000 people who died from COVID in the state. So there's that. So Andrew Cuomo is still on my list. I know I feel like the media is talking about gates, 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 gates. But here at Pop Into Politics, we like to call a dog's a dog, a spade's a spade. And so Hansy Andy stays on the list of pervert politicians. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to tell you what that noise is supposed to represent. I'll let people use their imaginations. <laughs> oh, goodness. Work on an official sound. Work on an official sound. Matt Gates. Matt Gates. It is not a good time to be Matt Gates. And it couldn't happen to a better individual. So Matt Gates has been in trouble for quite some time. Now we knew that the Justice Department was looking into this and that this investigation had started during the Trump administration, which again, you have to be dirty. You're dirty. You're dirty when even the Trump Justice Department was like, listen, we can't, we can't back potential sex trafficking. But you also know that you're in trouble and it's a bad time when you're a sitting congressman, U.S. congressman, and the feds took your phone. The feds took his phone. So he has this friend of his who he got into politics, who seems to be in troubled waters, a bridge over troubled waters. It is never a good sign when the feds have taken your phone. It's never a good sign when you are a sitting politician and you're being investigated. Now, again, he too doesn't seem like he has any shame. The Republican Party has not in mass called for his resignation. So I will say again, some difference between the parties here, the New York state 
well, both the state legislature and the federal delegation, both sides have at this point in mass said Andrew should resign. They cannot make him resign, but that he has lost the confidence of the citizens of New York and that it is time for him to go. That cannot be said for the Republican Party, whether that be on the state side in Florida for people to call for his resignation. Excuse me, I'm lying. There is one Republican, although this is not the state of Florida, there is one Republican congressman, the congressman from Illinois, the Republican who also voted to impeach Donald Trump, Adam Kinzinger. Yes. Adam has called for his resignation. Adam also was one of the 10 House Republicans, as I said, who voted to impeach the former president during the second, excuse me, it's always important to note, during his second impeachment trial, because hold my beer. (laughs) From the first impeachment, Donald said, hold my beer. I can do even more illegal things. So Adam seems to be like the one Republican lawmaker who has some balls some decency. And I still think he's pretty much a jerk, actually. So that's saying something too, so many other things he's done. But I like to call out things when they are decent. So it'll be interesting to see how Matt gets himself out of this if he's able to. I mean, they don't open up these sorts of investigations at the Justice Department for nothing. The other thing too, you're bad when the Donald has been trying to get the Donald to come out and make a statement and defend him and blip, 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 blip. And I guess, listen, I guess even Donald was like, listen, I kept all my rapes and sexual assaults to, to, I don't know, I guess people over the age of 18. I mean, below age is a bridge too far for Donald, I suppose. Or even Donald has enough sense to know, "Mm, it's not going to look good. It's not going to help my brand. I've got 19, 19 women, 19 women who accuse me of different things, but all of them were over 18. So... Yeah, that's where we're at. Matt's still still there, but I think is in real trouble legally. Andrew is still there, but I don't get the sense that Andrew's any any isn't in any real trouble in terms of the law with anything that he has done. Although it'll be interesting to see what happens with this nursing home story that again I feel like has kind of gotten lost in the sauce and the soup of of scandal and salaciousness. Because some of that stuff seems like there could be some illegality there. If the federal government's asking you for data and the state legislature in New York's asking you for data and you decide to misrepresent that or withhold that that information, you know, not a lawyer, but there seems like there has to be some some sort of law there that's probably been violated. And there are other not so famous folks who there's some other folks in the Matt Gates story who of course also are lumped into a pervert politician basically would fall into that category, but not as well known. So maybe we'll start doing some stories on some of the lesser known dirty men who are in our politics, who should all be shamed out of office. With that, folks, I'm going to conclude episode 14. Next week, there are also a lot of other policy things going on with the Biden administration that I think are worth discussing. And so we'll get into that. I will reluctantly continue to try to follow some of these policing stories, which just get old. Yeah, they just get old and depressing. But it's good to be back. Thank you for listening. And I will be back next week with a new episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at pop into politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.